They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Brant Menzoir. We built this city. We built this city on rock and roll. Built this city. We built this city on rock and roll. Cue the 80s drums. Come on. That's all you get. That's all you get. <laughs> Nobody hope. can handle more of We Built This City. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. It's Thoughts That Rock, the podcast about exchanging two pieces of life-changing advice squeezed in about 30 minutes. And you know, this episode is sponsored by Certified Rockstar. I say sponsored, really, that's that's brand me. That's right. <laughs> We're sponsoring our own event for today only. If you don't know anything about Certified Rockstar, that's our customized leadership training program. Mm-hmm. You know you can go and check it out. CertifiedRockstar.com. See what we do there. Yep. Thoughts That Rock helps support Cannonball Kids Cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, their fight against finding and funding treatment options for kids who've been told there are no more options. So uh, they're absolutely amazing. Please go check them out and see how you can get involved at CannonballKidsCancer.org. Love those guys. Yeah. Listen, if you like the show, yep. just take a moment and give us a five-star rating and a written review. It yes. almost doesn't matter what you put in there. As nope. long as it's something positive, that means a lot to us. Every word matters. Mm-hmm. It helps us really grow the show, put it in front of more people. And honestly, that gives us a little bit more money so that we can give it to CKC. Absolutely. And listen, we know how busy you are. Super Just stepping busy. away and trying to think strategically about life and trying to make Strategery. your world business better. What did you say? Strategery? Strategery. <laughs> You got a little bit of GW in there for a second. That's right. We, just, you know, we get it. We, we just, we, we want to absolutely be a part of your life. Doesn't matter what you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. For instance, you could be, I don't know, taking an elevator to the 39th floor penthouse. Boom. Maybe you're taking an elevator down to the car garage. Boom, boom. Maybe the elevator's broken and you're taking those same damn stairs up to the 39th floor. Not today, Satan. <laughs> Doesn't matter what you're doing. No. We just want to be the 30, 40 minutes you've been looking forward to. Boom. Let's do it. Our guest today is Jeff Sample, who is the Director of Strategic Accounts for eSub Construction Software. He's also a podcaster with his show, The Contact Crew, which I want to talk about in just a moment. But first off, Jeff, welcome to Thoughts That Rock. Well, thanks for having me, Jim. It's great to be here. Yeah, man. We've uh, looking forward to this in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I was lucky enough, Brant, to be on his show and, and thought this would be a great opportunity to, again, have somebody that's a little bit different outside the industry. Are, are you looking at me with that look? Like, how come I'm not on the yeah, show? I'm sort of like, well, that's fine. <laughs> that's good for who you. Who has a new book here and uh, who doesn't? Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. You just you stepped into an Sorry. intervention for That's a second. Fine. That's fine. You had to get that off his chest. I'll get there eventually. <laughs> so we will uh, obviously have Jeff's full bio posted in the show notes. But just a couple things. You know, he's um, he's got like twenty plus years of 
transforming and helping companies create IT infrastructures. He's an engineer by trade and, uh, you know, did a lot of developing software solutions for e-commerce and security and compliance and some ops environments as well. Now he's focused, obviously, as, as we mentioned at the top of the show, construction technology. He's got a real passion for outdoor adventure, which I thought was cool because all of these, you know, he's been involved in triathlons and Ironman competitions and eventually now has the moniker of the iron man of it come on <laughs> i'd watch that is that a netflix <laughs> <Yeah>. original <laughs> i'd watch that. i want to see all three seasons <laughs> of right. the iron man of it so in addition to his full-time it gig jeff is now a speaker and a thought leader in construction and uh like i said he co-hosts this weekly thing although i called it the contact crew it's also known as the construction dorks so if you want to be on a podcast brand, that that is the one to go on. He's uh, all things construction and IT, well, so you got to bring it. Jeff, I'm just going to tell you that next month I am keynoting uh, the leadership conference for ABC, for the Associated Building Contractors Conference. So just saying, a little side, <laughs> little side door action there. <laughs> Hey, th- that's great to hear, man. That's a that's a good group of people, and you're gonna you're gonna bring a lot of fire. I mean, I think that's what we wanted to have Jim on to expose him to uh, to our side because we need more of uh, your energy coming into the to our side. This crossover world is really important. Well, Jim's more practical, tactical, and so exactly. it's always good to start with me because then I can really raise that energy, and then Jim slowly bores them to death uh, over the right. course of 90 minutes. Which is your audience, which is perfect. <laughs> so this is this is great. No, actually, when I was on the show, we were talking about, um, and I think you even mentioned, you may have even used this in the in, uh, in something that you've done since then, but uh, we've had a guest on the show, Chris Plew, who is in that construction world. And I remember when I was doing something for the concrete contractors, um, you know, uh, who knew that he now would become the number two show downloads that we've done in our history. We've been doing this for a year and a half and, uh, he's risen right up to the number two spot. And so when I mentioned that to you, it was kind of cool to just have one of your own who sort of made it big out of all the famous guests that we've had, <laughs> I know. Chris Blue. So, so we're expecting big things from you, Jeff, is That's basically right. what we're saying. That's right. We, need, we, need, we want your numbers high. <laughs> Well, Chris really paved the way. That WebCore episode was awesome. And actually, I've spoken in front of the American Society of Concrete Contractors, too. And exactly what came across in that episode is true. I mean, that is a a fantastic organization, but it's also really driving a lot of change and innovation in the industry by sharing. And that collaboration is key to the future. And those guys are doing a great job of it. So it's not surprising that that really takes off. Plus, you know, we're a great industry that way. We, we support our own. So I'm sure no there was a lot of people quietly going out there and listening. Yeah. And it still continues to build. So we do things, obviously, Jeff, a little bit different. You've listened to a couple of those episodes, like you said, especially with uh, with Chris Plews. Um, you know, we like to jump right into the meat and potatoes. So we're going to leave the floor open to you. We just want to know what is your thought that rocks? Thoughts that rock. Number, Number one. one. Well, I think it's awesome, and I've got to credit uh, a guy named Michael Gearhart that I worked with back in the day. First couple of days working with him, I told him, uh, you know, like you said in the beginning, I was an IT engineer by trade, right? That was your IT guy. Um, and he said, you won't have a job in 10 years. I suggest you learn something new. Ooh. <laughs> Who wants to hear that? I love that. I love that. But it's true, right? Yeah, it's absolutely true. I mean, for me, what it what he was talking about, and you've seen it, and you know, 
I can't say he was exactly right. He was a, he a super progressive, but the days of what we used to do in IT are going away. Microsoft, Amazon, uh, Google, they're all putting those infrastructures in the cloud. So at the time, I was plugging things together and bolting things and getting deep inside of the weeds of, of this technology that was you know burgeoning at the time. But he had the forethought to be like, that. you're just going to ask for it. And that was right when Microsoft had just started its Azure cloud. And, you know, he showed me what he meant and he changed my life from that day forward. I, I started, you know, realizing that I was going to continually have to keep up and change and kind of changed my mindset. And it worked really well because the industry has continued to change technology, the environment around us. I mean, and look at what we're going through right now. How many of us thought we'd be sitting at home working completely remote? That's for sure. Um, right now. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I know, Brent, you were saying you love that. I was I was joking, saying nobody wants to hear that. But there are a lot of people that are are scared of that, in particular, I think, because of the whole pandemic. I think that's really changed a lot of people's minds. But with the advent of robotics and AI, you think about automation in the workplace, there is sort of this big push to now get back to learning a trade, learning a skill, because... You know, and that's different, I think, than the way we thought about it. Like you would say, maybe my pathway is to go get into manufacturing, which now might be one of those jobs that if people don't start thinking differently about that, because that will be all automated at some point. And so, you know, I think I see a lot of young kids that are now being taught coding in mm -hmm. high school. Yeah. You know, I would have never thought about that, but that's where, you know, the, the future is going to be is around gaming and robotics and software programming. So maybe my question might be for you, Jeff, is how did this, you know, Michael's wisdom sort of put you in a place where you had to think differently, but how does this fit into your world now? Since IT and technology already is the future, you play in that space. Do you sort of pass this this advice on to other people, or is it just something that you sort of keep an eye on and think, I got to constantly be nimble to, to be ready to change in 10 years? Well, I, I've aged quite a bit since then. That was about uh, 15 years ago. And I will, I give Michael credit for saying what he said, but there was another gentleman I was working for at the time named Steve Peck, who really followed that up with, hey, listen, I know that sounds scary, but you have the skills to do it. It's just an opportunity to learn and learn differently. And I got to apply that. And I think, I mean, you just hit on it, right? Like we look at manufacturing in this country as it's going away. Well, it's really not going away. It's being automated. Yeah. If you're going to do it with people, you're not going to do it in this country anymore. But if this country wants to take its step forward into that next uh you know, fourth industrial revolution, as it were, then those kids you're talking about that are learning coding can apply that coding physically to robots and the robots are going to be running the manufacturing floors. So yep. you haven't lost your job. You've just changed where you're going. And I think that's what I learned from that interaction. And that's what I try to teach now is if you scare somebody and put them directly into their limbic brain, like we're going to give you this software or this robot, they're like, it's going to take my job. Oh my right. gosh, I got to run for the hills. Yep. Where's my next job? But if as a leader you say, hey, listen, I'm going to give you this robot and here's how it's going to improve and help you. 
and here's how it's going to improve and help our environment. And this is my investment in you and mm-hmm. upskilling you. I'm not in my limbic brain anymore. I'm in that brain where I want to help my company and I want to impact the people around me. And so if we change the way we phrase it and we phrase it that way, then we can really help people reskill, which I think now more than ever, watch what we're seeing with, you know, the industry is changing. Jim, we talked about this when you were on our podcast, like the construction industry lacks skilled labor right now. And we have one of the highest unemployment rates. Yeah. You would not think that that's crazy. We, we can't get enough people. I know lots of companies that are turning away work right now because they don't have the skilled labor nor the pipeline to do it, but we're just not encouraging them to come on over. And, you know, there's this idea too, from the older generation that our, our kids have lost their ability to work with tools. Mm -hmm. We started talking about it. And my, my little example of robots that was on purpose. Amazon is doing this. And yes, Amazon has taken people off the floor of the factory of the distribution facilities. And now they have a chief roboticist and they have a whole bunch of people who work on the robots, who diagnose their problems, fix them, put them out and get more work done. Right. That's the change we're talking about. It's not about taking jobs. It's just about transforming the way we look at the opportunities and reskilling. Yeah. Yeah. I'm reminded, Jim, you and I have, uh, you know, we've done some work in the textile industry and and Jim and I have both uh, spoken for an an old client of ours uh, was Bentley Carpets, which was uh, out of Los Angeles. And one of the interesting things during that sort of time where we get to learn a little bit about that process is they have these huge multi-million dollar machines that that weave the carpet right and, and, mm-hmm. and make these these uh, uh either squares or large runs of carpet that are used in commercial application and one of the things that really struck me is so they had like a couple of these uh newer machines that were ones that would be the programmed ones that really sort of do everything through automation. But they had a couple of the older machines, which required someone to sort of look and see where the spools of thread are. And if one of them breaks and what they need to do and how do you go about that? And the crazy thing was in an organization that had probably a thousand employees, um, there were two people who knew how to use that machine. <laughs> Scary. It, right? And High so value, but also, it is, it is one. It's almost the opposite of what we're talking about, <clears throat> yeah. where you have job security because you you know a technology that is still being used, but it's ancient, and and your job security is there. So, so what was funny to me was that both the people who knew how to use it were like, late sixties, like they, they're at the point where they're going to retire. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, what happens when, when, you know, because nobody wants to learn the old technology. So they either have to switch out a machine, which is going to cost them millions and millions of dollars and then have these programmers program that machine, mm-hmm. or they're going to have to find some skilled labor to learn the trade, to learn how to do something by hand that's now done through automation. And it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. Cause sometimes I think tech, Technology moves so fast that people can't keep up with it, but everybody knows that's the direction they're headed. So that's where they want to study. That's where they want to learn. But it's like, well, wait a minute. We only have two people who know how to use this machine. If both of them are sick on the same day, we're screwed. And they're off on Wednesdays and Thursdays. So it's one of those things that... 
I think it's interesting. I think it says both, uh, Jeff, sort of both things that we've been talking about here, which is one, recognize the future, recognize that this is what's happening right now. We already have instances of this being the case, and it's going to continue to go that direction. But at the same time, don't pass up a chance to learn a new skill, even if it's something that might be antiquated in a year or two, at least you are still learning something new that could definitely probably come into play with something in the future of just the ability to keep learning. How do you encourage people that are in that boat where it's like, I'm too old to learn a new trick. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, how can these folks sort of still have hope for a future that they might not see themselves in because they're not going to learn coding at 62 right. years old? Yeah. Well, it's, you actually make a great point because we, we have that exact problem in construction. You heard me talk about the labor issues. Well, we're also aging out. Like we yeah. have, I think the stat is in the U.S., 10,000 baby boomers a day retire right now. Mm. And there's a lot of those in our industry in construction. And they are taking all of that valuable knowledge about how to build buildings with them. Mm. And it, it's really going to have a negative impact on uh, our country's infrastructure if we're not careful. Yeah. And to your point, what we can do is we can reinvigorate them. If you take a younger person and put them together with that person with all of that knowledge, like a, a young person coming out of uh, construction management school should not build a building. It will not be safe. They right. do not know <laughs> how to do this. <laughs> yes. You know, I, I was talking to somebody uh, uh, yesterday um, about, you know, detailers. Detailers are the ones that, you know, really put the piping and all the HVAC and all that stuff inside of models, which we do in digital models, by the way, now. We don't just build buildings. We don't use just 2D paper anymore. We use 3D models. And I'm saying that because if you're listening and you're a kid, there is a lot to be done in construction that is very advanced and very fun to see. But if you don't know how to build, your models aren't worth it anyway. Mm -hmm. So if we put those two together, right, what does that person who's aging out want? They want to feel like they're having an impact. Yeah. How can they have an impact? They can spread their knowledge to all of these people coming into the industry that they love. Because I have not come across many of them that don't absolutely love their actual job. Yeah, yeah they hate the paperwork. They hate yeah. the mundaneness of certain things. We all do. Yeah. But ultimately, they walk down the street and look at the environment around them in a way before I got into this industry, I didn't understand. Hmm. Now, even though I just work on the software side, I feel like I've had an impact on the world. If they pass that on and pass that knowledge on, it's fantastic. And I will tell you this, that person's name was Sal D'Ambrosia that I was talking to yesterday. And he was 20 years in the business. And he was sitting over the shoulder of a young kid trying to teach him how to put, you know, couplings and fittings and, hey, you need to pitch this pipe and you need to do that. And he's trying to impart 20 years of experience into this kid and yeah. he realizes hey kid move out of the way i'm gonna sit down you tell me what keys to hit on this keyboard and the next thing you know he is now a digital detailer that's and awesome. knows exactly what he's doing that's awesome good for sal that's that's awesome Be because he got past it though like yeah. the key too is our leadership i mean i go back to this and and you know jim is what i was talking to you about when you were on the show with us is 
we need to inspire the leaders, not only in construction, but in all of the different, um, I don't know, what would be considered trades across, whether it's manufacturing, um, even in the restaurant, food, and beverage industry, right? They're all transforming, but we need to lead them to the future is bright. Yeah. It is fantastic. It, it can be if we get them out of their limbic brain and get them out of this, um, we're going to take your jobs. You're not going to have employment. That's not going to happen. Hmm. Yeah. If Go ahead. But we got to communicate that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. For sure. Intentionally. Leaders need to intentionally sit down and create cultures. Here's the other thing, too. I'm always a fan of, of – uh, diversity in all industries. And when I look at that, it's, it's, let's grab people from other places. Let's take people from manufacturing and bring them into construction. Let's people take people from construction and move them into manufacturing where they use, you know, CNC machines to build these robotic parts and pieces and can use 3d printing. Um, we we've seen people come from 3d printing limbs over into figuring out how to build 3d printed, uh, parts and pieces for buildings. Hmm. We need to mix it up a little bit and not be afraid to let people come into our industries, let them get comfortable and learn because their diversity of experience, experience brings a range to our industry that unlocks the potential that we have. So this reminds me of, and I've shared the the story that for years, not so much right now, but for years, my number one clients when I was speaking were funeral directors. And I think when I tell people that they're, you know, they look at me with the third eye, they're like, you came out of food and beverage. What in the world, especially the way I deliver it and the way that I look, you prop me up at a funeral director conference and they're thinking, what kind of value would you be able to bring? And the reality is, they go through the same struggles. Every industry wants to talk about leadership and culture and values and service and, you know, employee engagement. Like none of that stuff is unique to one individual industry. So I think the point you're making, Jeff, if you can speak the language and get to the points of helping somebody get to, you know, maybe they've been working in the in this area. Now they need to get to the next one to be able to be relevant. I think that's smart. I think it's brilliant to be able to make that uh, that connection. And you know, I was doing a, um, I did a little bit of homework on this particular quote that you were giving because I thought it'd be interesting since we were going to talk a little bit about what's happening to a lot of different industries. And so I'm going to pitch this to both you and Brand. I actually have the list of the most endangered species industries that are out there. And so I looked online, there's a ton of things out there, but when you put them all together, here are the, the top 10. Before I tell them, what do you think would be one that you think would just, this is an industry that if they don't change, they're about to go completely under. So I'll, I'll throw it to, let's say Jeff first. So are you talking in the next 10 years? Next, or the 10, next, years. Year? next 10 years. Next 10 years. Yeah. Some of these are going to struggle already in the next year, but in the next 10 years, Give me one that you're like, uh-oh, because of AI and automation, robotics, this particular industry, they're in danger of completely going away. They're going to be irrelevant. Uh, transportation. Transportation's one of them. It's a big one, mm. and and which is interesting. I was thinking like, what? Uber and Lyft, they're going to be here? Oh, no. When you get into automated transportation, yeah. anybody that's doing any type of delivery, 
food delivery. You're going to see these big semi-trucks that are already on the roads that are now being automated. Uber and Lyft, I think they have a shelf life now of just 10 years, and they're going to be gone. Yeah. That's a good one. What do you think, Brian? Publishing? Print publishing is also on the list of top 10 because you don't need any more. You can do it all on your own, basically. Here's the list. Farmers, postal workers, which surprised me, broadcasters, for the reason that we're doing what we're doing because we just supersede all of them, fishermen, print publishers, cashiers. Again, you're seeing everybody just doing their own stuff, all automated now. Drivers, travel agents, which I'm surprised there's even (laughs) any still around. Fast food cooks and manufacturing machines. Number one on the list, farmers. Wow. Which is really sad. I mean, there's others that are on the list because you talked about construction. And I guess, you know, Brant had a question for you earlier about, you know, what advice do you give to people that, you know, if they're a skilled laborer, they only know this job, they're not going to conform because they've either aged out or it's a family business or whatever the reason is. Maybe my question, now that you hear that list what are some of the challenges that that you think you face, Jeff, in your industry, especially in trying to stay relevant? You've mentioned a couple of these, but your world construction with the IT side, how, how do you stay relevant in your industry? It's a balance, right? You you can't chase shiny shiny toy syndrome. Squirrel <laughs> syndrome is very difficult, especially as an organization. You can quickly wear people out. So it really goes back to creating a culture around the intention of what you're trying to do and continually pulling the rope in the same direction, getting Mm -hmm. everyone together to, in some way, shape or form, to allow them to give input and figure out the best way to do it. Um, The other thing for us is recruiting. Um, and it's one of the things the industry as a whole has failed at. And it's interesting because Justin Trudeau is doing this uh, in Canada right now. They're creating somewhat of a marketing campaign around the construction industry. And hmm. I think you've seen it work here. You just didn't know you saw it work here. The armed forces of America were going downhill. We were losing the enlistment numbers. Things were dropping. And the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines all got together and created a marketing campaign. Now you all see it every Sunday when you're watching football. Every sporting event shows these incredible people who serve our country, but in some crazy situations, climbing under things. And, you know, these aren't, you know, necessarily considered nice conditions, but cinematically they're made to look fantastic. Mm -hmm. And it's drawing people in. And construction needs to take that same idea and market it across the board to recruit people because we need people to come in and see the opportunity, right? You went through that list. A farmer who's running a machine at the time right now could come over to construction and I guarantee you in two months be productive and adding value to our industry right away. Yeah. We also have kids – Look, look, the future of college is so scary right now with the debt people are going into and looking at. You can go to a trade school right now, make money while going to school, while learning a trade, be immersed in technology. We're giving that technology across this industry. Great companies are providing free access to their tools 
in the sake of learning in our trade schools so that these kids can come out skilled, making six-figure salaries almost off the bat and being fought over Hmm. right now. No debt, fought over, plenty of money. And if then you want to go to school, then you can go back to school. You already have a trade. You have a skill you can always fall back on. I went to a school and my dad luckily paid for. However, Jim, you and I were talking about this. I learned more at the restaurant I worked at for four years in college than I did from the school itself. I learned about business. I learned about accountability. Yep. You know, I, I learned about hard work and I think that's what this industry needs. And, and, you know, frankly, it's, it's, it's important. Yeah. Well, those are wise words, man. I mean, I, I, again, you never know who's listening uh, to the show and I hope there are some people, I guess you could use that for any industry, of course, but there are probably people right now that are in your industry that are going, woe is me. And what are we supposed to do? And even though they see, I think the technology coming down the pike, I do see a lot of information around like 3d printing and how that can happen. But you made a point earlier that if you don't have the right strategy, you don't have the right idea in the first place, you know, the, the person who's running the machine, isn't going to help you that much, but still that, that automation is coming down the pike. And I think the more that you can get it out there and help prepare people is going to be fantastic. And it, it probably leads us, I think, into our quote as well. It's a little bit of a different take for sure, but Brand, I, I love the uh, the thought that you were able to uh, to find out there. What is our thought that rocks this week? So our thought comes from James Mishner, the Pulitzer Prize winning author, and it's this: Thoughts that rock, number two. An age is called dark not because the light fails to shine, but because people refuse to see it. <laughs> And I think this just was such a great way to sort of continue the conversation, a great way to sort of button up our conversation today, which is this idea that um, if you choose to be willfully ignorant, <laughs> it's going to be difficult for you to move forward and, and, and see yourself um, in the future if you refuse to change. And, you know, we've seen it happen over and over and over again. We're watching it happen before our eyes Mm -hmm. in this time with companies uh, just disappearing. I mean, even Hertz, uh, you know, you look at a a company like Hertz that filed bankruptcy and now they're selling off all their cars and everything. It's like, this is Hertz. This is Mm -hmm. one of the biggest rental car companies that just, and, and, and all of a sudden, because things shift and people weren't prepared and you, you don't look out and forecast for things. I, I keep coming back to our conversation with Philip Stutz. Yeah. Um, you know, earlier last year when, when he talked about people don't think through all of the other touch points when something happens and there's this ripple effect that happens. And before you know it, you might be three or four industries out from the industry that you're talking about mm-hmm. where it has a catastrophic, you know, uh, effect on what's happening. And here we are watching this sort of stuff happen. Um, we've got to always keep an eye towards that future. But I think the biggest thing that I got from, from uh, your quote, Jeff, is that it's this idea of, continuing to understand that the learning journey never stops. And if you think that you can just settle in and, and you went to school and you learned this technology and now you're good. Um, 
with as quick as technology moves, with as quick as things are changing, and then when you factor in the unprepared for uh, catastrophic potential events that happen, um, you've got to be willing to find that light, uh, you know, choose to see that part as opposed to just focusing on the negative, which is I'm going to be a dinosaur here. I can't mm-hmm. continue to do anything. And so, you know, how do you feel about this particular quote from, from James Mishner? I absolutely love it. I mean, I cannot tell you when I saw it and, and thought about it, it's, it's perfect, especially for given what we're all, you know, kind of going through right now, it'd be really easy to just see the darkness right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I have to say I'm a Peter Diamandis fan. Mm-hmm. I believe in abundance thinking and great book. By I the think way. we, great right and i think we live in the most abundant time on the planet we live longer we have access to all of the information we could possibly need i can order food eat do everything online and take care of myself during a pandemic if you think back to to the spanish flu times the things that they had to go through were so much harder than what we're going through now, but oh, it's yeah. a ma- it's a matter of how you look at it. But we have to wear right? masks, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I, I have to wear a mask. You know, I, I, and it's so easy, right? In these in these times, pe- when I say that on stage, people kind of think like, "Oh, what is he talking about?" Like all I hear about is how many wars we're in and death and destruction. And I'm sorry, people. But that's what sells. Mm -hmm. That's why you hear it over and over again. And I think those of us that see the light have to be the ones that are talking louder, that are saying this is the future. Now is better than it was before. We live longer. Yes, we're in the middle of a pandemic, but and some companies are going away. That's true. I, I think those companies and I think if you're running a company right now, um, I like to refer to what happened to Hertz, let's say, as yep. technical debt. Yep. They sat on their laurels. They were yep. the king of their industry for a long time. Yep. And they failed to continue to improve, to continue mm-hmm. to innovate, to be prepared. You know, I think one of their competitors, National, yep. you know, started a car sales, car delivery, truck rentals, like they diversify. Yep. And I think they're still doing okay through this. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's opportunity there in uh, in the destruction. You just have to see the light. You have to believe that that is the case. And and you've got to cut through the noise, right? I mean, I love podcasting. And and you know, if you're getting all your news from regular news outlets, you're going to be pretty depressed at the end of every day. Right. Right. Go go listen to some great podcasts. You know. Thoughts that rock. Go listen to um, construction dorks. Go ahead and say construction dorks. Yes, construction dorks. The contact crew. Go listen to Adam Grant's work life. Yeah. Go listen to um, Malcolm Gladwell. These fantastic people that are putting out great information to make you think and see that society can change, that things can get better, and you can have an impact on that. You know, it, it's not monumental that you have to change. It's not like you have to go out and rethink everything you do. You just have to take a single step forward, right? Yeah. Um, every day. And, you know, get your own house in order. 
clean things up a bit, take a step forward and you're going to realize you're going to start to gain momentum. You're going to start to change, be open to it and, and it'll happen for you. You, you know, the example that you gave just reminds me of Blockbuster, you know, same thing. They just refused to change. They thought they were all that. They had an opportunity to buy Netflix and, and go into that streaming model. And uh, they just they refused to do it. And they became a dinosaur, like you said, brand like super quick. You know, we even see that now in the speaking world. I think when the pandemic started to to really hit all of us, and it did, I mean, a lot of our in-person stuff was either canceled or postponed or turned into virtual. I think there was a there was a quick refusal, you know, to immediately jump into the, I'm going to get into the virtual space. And we've even seen that with speaker bureaus. Um, and, and unfortunately, I think, although we've all upped our game, we've all got better microphones and lights and cameras and all that stuff. I think the ones that sort of sat by the wayside have now been passed by by the ones that saw the light. They said, I'm going to look at this as an opportunity and it isn't temporary. I mean, this is to some degree, there's going to be a hybrid now of us doing in-person and virtual events. And I think those that figure out that there's a viable option that they can make that a part of their business are the ones that are going to succeed. And you know, a, a little side story. When I was working at Hard Rock, I started there. I was there 21 years, Jeff, and I, I started in 1991. And it was fun, man, when the lines were super long and we were printing our own money. And then things started to happen. You know, we started to have a lot of things happen, mostly with competition. And we lost our way, I think, for a little bit in, in how we, we used to make everything from scratch. And then we were for the longest time, bringing stuff to the back door just to make a little bit more money, but people started to notice real quick. And so this quote that, that you pulled Brant from uh, missioner, you know, it, we called the dark days at hard rock, these seven years between 1998 and 2004 is where we really lost our way. We lost sales. And it was the one time in our company where that happened where I wasn't getting a bonus and people were, were flying out the door to go try something else because it just wasn't fun to be a part of a losing team. And so the only way we came out of that, which again goes back to this quote is somebody, a leader. And I will give, you know, our new CEO at that time who came on board in 2004, his name's Hamish Dodds. He turned the thing around. We got out of so much garbage stuff we shouldn't have been in. He positioned and surrounded himself with an awesome leadership team. And we focused on the right things to, to really push and perpetuate the brand. So I do think regardless of the industry, you're right, Jeff. I think you've got to have people that can see the light. And we're the ones that whether you're, you know, you got a platform and you're able to scream at the top of your lungs or you're quiet and subtle, but you still have impact and influence. I think if people can just avoid getting into the the drudgery of just being in a dark hole because of all the stimulus that you get, you're going to be in a pretty good place. You will be able to break out of it, hopefully not taking seven years, but it will happen. And it reminds me of uh, my favorite song, This Little Light of Mine. Oh, God. I've got to let it <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> We had to go there, didn't we? We did. We had to hit the song out of it. I have to bring it out every two or three months just to remind brands. But, you know, Jim, you make a good point here, right? Like, people listen. There's so many people that listen into your show. And, and I know there's people at home right now that are thinking, yeah, you guys are talking from where you're talking. And you're, you're not feeling what I'm feeling or not experiencing what I'm experiencing. Or, you know, what about my business? And 
I want you to think about we're going to get out of this pandemic. I mean, that's one of the other things that I think not enough people say and not enough. You know, we're talking about masks and, you know, hand sanitizer and do this and social distancing. Those are all true. And those are all things we need to, to focus on. But, uh, you know, to be careful of. But if you look forward, this is going to have a dramatic impact on changing the way that we interact with one another. You said it. Jim, I don't know that we're going to see completely in-person events that don't have some sort of hybrid version of what we've been doing online because I was in a recent one that had 1,300 people from 20 different countries join in to something that normally gets about 300 people and we're all from construction in the U.S. Yep, yep. Well, you can't ignore that reach. So that's our industry and speaking – Think about restaurants. Think about redesigning yourselves for the future. Think about how people are going to experience and want to experience one another. I think we're all going to really spend 2021 and 2022 intentionally meeting with one another once it becomes safe in a way we never thought we would before. And how can you as a brand, as a company, facilitate that? That could be your strategic advantage. That could be your you know, instead of coming out of taking seven years to come out of it, you could grab a hold of the rocket ship and shoot out of it in a year. But you got to get out of where you are and think about it yeah. and start to surround yourself by other people who think that way, too. Where, where um, yeah, I know we've mentioned the construction dorks on here. What is the, the essence of your podcast? If people were to tune in, what would they hear with uh, with the four of you guys? Well, you're going to hear some really raw, really real dorks, and and we embrace that dork. Um, I think it's a really interesting piece. It came out of – we all used to meet up at these conferences. A lot of us are speakers or – thought leaders or technologists in the industry, a lot of, uh, you know, Jonathan and Travis and Trent are real practitioners. Um, They work in the mechanical industry or consulting, and they actually get their hands dirty doing things. And what would happen is we'd, we'd be talking to the masses about trying to get them to understand, you know, that we're trying to pull the industry forward, that this digitization is a, is possible. But then where the real, meat and potatoes for us came were in the watering holes or coffee shops or hallways where we were all together talking. And there became this group of people that sort of, they came from competing companies, whether they were software or construction, but they dropped all of that. And we just had these massive dork out discussions that we're not allowed to have on stage because it scares people, right? You know, a lot of the geek speak we use scares people. Um, But we lost that, you know, to your point, when COVID hit, all of that was gone. All the things that got me excited uh, offstage disappeared. Yeah. And we wanted to recreate it. The other thing was we don't feel like the construction industry itself has a platform that's not controlled by anyone. So we are truly a crowdsourced group. The construction dorks, you know, there's four of us on the that run the podcast on a regular basis. However, it is not ours. We don't feel ownership of it. No one does. It is a community that is just there to pull the industry in the right direction. Everybody's reaching out, grabbing a hold of the rope and trying to pull together. We have in-depth discussions. We argue our points um, and we really try to 
help without being influenced by look companies have to compete right there has to be competing factions not everybody can go to everything however we wanted to be the place where you could and you could have open dissident thought i mean one of the problems that that most businesses in this in this world right now miss is this ability to differ in opinion yeah and discuss that in a fashion that's actually productive because you know if if i knew everything that everybody on my team was going to bring to a meeting then i should just save the time not have the meeting and do the thing yeah exactly exactly you don't go to an escape room by yourself right and try to get out <laughs> oh i've tried <laughs> I've tried before. It's torture. And, and, and Jim's now coming us from his local escape room. <laughs> that would be awesome if I had my own escape room. Well, let, I, listen, I, first off, I had fun on the show. I mean, you guys, for sure. I mean, just so that people understand, these are four people from four different companies. And just having this platform for you guys to talk about your industry and the challenges that you deal with and having those raw discussions, I, I loved it. I mean... I didn't see that you guys disagree with anything that I was talking about. Brant, when you're on there, you'll probably experience some dissonance. But for me, I think we were in lockstep. <laughs> and, uh, and and I just think you've, you're doing some great stuff, brother. Where can people stay in touch with you or at least get a little bit more information about you and the things that you do? Well, they can always follow me on Twitter. That Iron Man of IT thing is uh, <laughs> it, it is my brand. It is my moniker. Um, so on Twitter, it's really easy. I'm at Iron Man of IT. Um, you can get a, get me on LinkedIn as well. Um, and you know, most people won't do this, but I will. You can actually email me at Jeff nice. at join.build. And if you want to connect, if you need information, look, this whole world at the end of the day, when we're all done here, the only thing we can look back on and really, you know, put a straw in our cap is how many people we helped, how much impact we had. And with that, I'm here to help as many people find and have that impact as I can. And it, it's what gets me up every day and gets me fired up. So look me up at any of those places, contact me those ways. I really look forward to sharing as much as I can. And uh, Jim, Brant, it's, thank you guys so much. I mean, we don't get to get out of our little construction bubble very often. And so I've been looking forward to this and, and I can, I, I cannot tell you how great it is to, uh, to experience pros like this, but also have a great conversation and feel like I can jump in. Well, it's our pleasure, man. Like I said, it's, uh, I think you're doing some fantastic stuff and, uh, you know, we can't thank you enough for just taking a little bit of time out and you bring something different and a, and a unique perspective that uh, we don't get from other guests. So we thank you very much, brother. Listen, we'll talk to you soon. We'll see you down the road. Thanks. Thank you. Got it. Rock on. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe so you don't ever miss an episode. Yeah. And if you're interested in having Brant or me or both of us speak at your event, whether as a webinar for a virtual event or in person as a conference keynote, contact us directly at thoughtsthatrock.com. Until next time, rock, rock on! on.